Our topic this morning, one of the last in our Truth For Today, Hope For Tomorrow series, is don't be fooled. And what we're dealing with here is the second coming and what to watch for and what not to watch for. One of the most famous magicians or illusionists in the world today is David Copperfield. In front of live crowds, he has made jet aircraft completely vanish. And on another occasion, he made the Statue of Liberty completely disappear. I'm not sure why that's useful, but it's interesting nonetheless. So it disappeared, or at least it looked that way. And the crowds were highly entertained. And that's all David Copperfield probably had in mind, to entertain people, maybe make a little money on the side. But isn't what he had wanted to create not just an illusion, but a complete deception? This morning we're going to look at what the Bible tells us about the biggest deception the human race has ever attempted, and it's just ahead of us. Long ago, in heaven, the highest angel Lucifer, he decided he wanted to be the real God of the universe. He didn't want to submit to God. He didn't want to submit to the authority of the creator of the universe. He wanted to be his own God. There can be only one. So there was war in heaven, and God threw him and the angels out of heaven. When you see this picture, do you ever wonder, as they were looking back, if they had made the right choice? Do you think they knew then that they were doomed? I've often wondered that. Later, Lucifer, who is now called Satan, deceived the first human beings on earth. He told them that if they really wanted to find happiness, they should choose to be their own gods, just as he had done. He told them, you don't really need to obey God. Just follow your own opinions. Do whatever feels good. Tragically, however, for the human race, they took their eyes off God. They listened to his counterfeit authority, Satan, the deceiver. See, for everything genuine that God has ever created, Satan has tried to make a counterfeit. Counterfeit happiness, counterfeit salvation, counterfeit worship, counterfeit messiahs. But his masterpiece of deception is still ahead. He'll even attempt to deceive God's own people, if possible, by staging a counterfeit second coming of Christ shortly before the real one takes place. The prize? The prize is between the battle of good and evil is going to be earth. And Satan wants that prize more than anything. Is it possible that before the end of time, Satan will masquerade on earth as Christ? Matthew 24, verse 5 says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And that's happening right now, isn't it? There's quite a few people claiming to be Christ. We heard it in the other night, several people in Africa. There's people in the United States doing that. Matthew 24, 24 adds, False Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, as possible, even the very elect. That's pretty strong. Is it possible that even some Christians who have accepted the Bible truth won't be ready for this deception? Don't be deceived, my friends. Don't take it in. Don't fall for the counterfeit and don't be fooled. See, the Bible is very clear about Christ's second coming. If we know our Bibles well, we won't be fooled because there's plenty of evidence to warn us about what's going to happen. The Bible says in Matthew 24:26. Therefore, if they say, look, he in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. What if a dazzling being of bright light seems to heal people? Could you tell the true Christ from the false? 
What if Satan is the counterfeit second coming? Would you go to Roseburg to see him? If your wife had cancer, would you take her to this healer? If he was on TV, would you watch? What if you were mesmerized? It's important to understand what the Bible says about the end of time. Deceptions will come that could sweep us off our feet if we're not careful. What does the Bible say? Jesus' promise is recorded in John 14, 1-3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What does Jesus say? Well, he says, I will come again. 1,500 places in the Bible. One out of 25 verses in the New Testament says that Jesus is coming again. He says that he will come again. Not maybe. But never forget that Jesus loves you so much, not only did he die for you, he loves you enough to come get you and take you home with him. So let's consider the truth about Christ's second coming. The world is moving towards a climax. I think all of us can kind of see the evidence there. Financial crisis, food crisis, disease crisis. It's everywhere. Watching the news is just downright scary. The Bible will describe just how the true Christ will return. First of all, it's literal. Christ coming is a literal event. Note the real loving feeling. It will be an event in history, like creation or death on the cross. It will be a literal point in time. The Bible says in Titus 2.13, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is hope for our weary, war-torn planet. Our confused, chaotic planet. Overpopulated, drug-infested, morally twisted planet. Christ came the first time, and Christ will come again. The coming of Christ is a literal event. Number two, it's personal. Christ's coming is a personal event. Jesus will not send emissaries via some flying saucer. Remember the disciples saw him ascending and shaded their eyes for one last lingering, longing look. While they were looking, two angels appeared. They said, this same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in a manner like you saw him go back to heaven. Jesus ascended in the clouds. Jesus will descend in the clouds. He ascended with the glorious body. He will descend gloriously. The Christ who touched the eyes of the blind so they could see. He touched the ears of the deaf so they were unstopped. He healed the man's arm withered with palsy. He spoke and raised the dead. The same thing will happen when Jesus returns and will stream down a quarter of the sky. Three, it will be visible. Christ's coming is a visible event. There's nothing secret about this at all. And the Bible is very plain about that. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. How many will see him? Every eye. The eyes of the young, old, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, atheists, believers, everybody will see him. Matthew 24.30 then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. This is no mystical coming. There's no secret. There's no hidden event. The first time Christ came, a few saw him, a few wise men, a few shepherds. The second time, however, 
the trumpets of the universe shall announce his coming. Fourth, it will be audible. Every eye will see it and every ear will hear it. Revelation 16, 18, and 20 says, And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Have you tried to sleep through a thunderstorm? I suppose some people could. I couldn't. Think you can sleep through the second coming of Christ? Most likely not. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's great news. Satan might appear in London, Moscow, Frankfurt, Yonkala, you don't know. But only Jesus will appear in heaven with dazzling brightness. Every eye will see him at the same time around the world. Only Jesus can descend from heaven with the trumpet of God. Only Jesus can raise the dead. When Christ descends, he calls Gladys, Fred, George, Elizabeth, come forth. And they shall. The Christ, the life giver, the creator will raise the dead. He will raise the babies that were stillborn. The 13-year-old son or daughter that was coming home from school and was killed in a terrible accident. They will be raised as well. Those that died of diseases they never asked for. This is good news. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of the archangel. Death, sorrow, and heartache are no more. Christ has come. If you're an atheist, what is the answer to death? How does atheism solve the riddle of death and comfort the grieving? The Bible says, God who created the world sent Jesus when it rebelled. Christ will come again in a real moment in time. He will solve the problem of pain and suffering and death. If Christ doesn't come, our only hope is a dark, cold grave. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Then we who are alive and remain, when he comes, that is, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. There's a very popular series of books, very successful, there's even a movie, regarding an event described as the secret rapture. And that's nice. However, I'd rather go by what the Bible says. So what about the rapture? The word rapture is not actually found in the Bible. And there certainly is anything about a secret rapture. What does rapture mean? Rapture means a catching or a snatching up away. Will there be a rapture? In a sense, yes. Secret? No. So, where does the idea of the secret rapture come from? From the text we just read, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You'll see, the Latin word for caught up is rapier. I'm not sure if that's how you say it. Then... They say we will be caught up. They are right. Yes, but it will not be a secret. We'll ascend into the heavens. The Bible in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 does not teach the secret rapture. It teaches that Christ will come with a shout. We will then see Jesus come in glory and power. We'll be changed in an instant and caught up to meet him in the air. 
Christ's coming as a thief refers not to how he comes, but when. That's a very important point. Christ is coming as a thief. 1 Thessalonians 5.2, Jesus says, Be prepared, for I come unexpectedly. Does a thief warn you ahead of time when they're coming? Ready or not, here I come. Nobody would fall for that. A little illustration here. This family moves to Toronto, Canada. They set up their barbecue in the backyard and settled into their house. The next night they went shopping. But on returning, they found that somebody had stolen their barbecue. They were quite put out. Two nights later, the barbecue was returned with this note. Welcome to the neighborhood. We were having a cookout and borrowed your barbecue. We've inconvenienced you, but here's two tickets to a concert tomorrow night in downtown Toronto. Well, that's nice. These folk were so excited that the neighbors had given them two tickets, so the next night they went to this concert. While they were gone having fun, the thieves came and cleaned out their entire house. The tickets were the compliments of the thieves. The Bible talks about Christ coming as a thief, but it's not some secret rapture when talking about Christ's second coming. It means when we don't expect it. The Bible says the day of his coming needs not be a surprise. He's provided signs that he's about to arrive. When Christ comes, it will be in the clouds. Every eye will see him. All the tribes of the earth will see him. Every ear hears it. Great noises, thunder, great earthquakes. Have you ever wondered what it must be like to be deaf or blind? What if your first ability to see is to see Christ coming down? Wouldn't that be sensory overload? What if you could hear for the first time? That would be crazy. I, don't, I think all of us are just a little bit jaded sometimes, or a little too entertained. We have a lack of imagination when it comes to this kind of stuff. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 and 53 says, At the second coming we will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. When we die, we drop off to sleep. Death will seem like a moment in the twinkling of an eye. My body is corruptible. I'm only 31, but as I get older, I notice annoying little aches and pains. The Bible says the corruptible will put on incorruption. Mortal must put on immortality. The disabled leap out of their wheelchairs. They throw away their crutches. Gone is arthritis, rheumatism, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, hangnails, memory loss. Where was I? When Christ comes, Jesus will give us new, glorious, immortal bodies. What about the famous text that says, two in a field, one taken, one left? One of these verses that some have built a complete doctrine out of. Well, it's true. Two will be working, the other one will be taken to heaven. The other one's going to be left on earth, it's true. But does the Bible teach that those who are left are going to be alive? What happens to the other people that are left? Let's let the Bible explain it. Revelation 6:17 says, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? The Bible says that those who turn their backs on God's love in Revelation 6:15 and 16 says that they hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Jesus wants to save men and women. But 
If men and women cling to rebellion and remain defiant against God, determined to live independently, away from God's love and authority, it's going to be inevitable what happens. When God, the righteous being of enormous love, streams down quarters of the sky, the brightness of his glory will destroy sinners, and we will be with him forever. These are dangerous times that we live in, folks. There's many, many distractions out there, many things that can catch our eye. Especially in this generation, we like something called eye candy, stuff that entertains us, and there's plenty of it out there. If you were to see this Satan come, I wouldn't give him the time of day. I wouldn't look at him. I wouldn't watch him on TV. I wouldn't read his words. He could have a hypnotic effect. We don't know. We want to keep our eyes on Jesus. We don't want to keep our eyes on the things that are not going to be here very much longer. God loves us so much that he sent his son for us. And we want to spend the rest of our time with him in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with your people. To be here and to be able to spread your word. Thank you so much for the gift of the Bible. May we not take it for granted. May we read it faithfully. May we pray. Lord, please forgive us if there are times that we seem lax. There are just times that we fall away. Please forgive us for that, Lord. We want to be strong. We want to be your people, and we want to be with you. In your name, amen.